0: You're listening to the Real Estate Runway podcast powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton.
1: Well, good afternoon, Real Estate Runway family. This is a fantastic episode coming up. I have my friend, Paul Moore of Wellings Capital on for a second time. And in this discussion, we are going to spend some time unpacking inflation and hyperinflation and interest rates and all all of those things related to the printing of money that we've seen over the last 24 months, or excuse me, 12 months. And we're going to see who that's going to help, who it's ultimately going to hurt, and how you can benefit. Stay tuned. All right, everyone. This is a, another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Sutton. We are back for round two with Paul Moore. Paul, if you remember before, we we spent a lot of time talking about mobile home park investing and various uh, aspects of buying assets right. We're back together today to discuss the effects of inflation, which is quite a hot topic especially if you read the news today I think we're in, we're currently in mid May right now and the April 2021 inflation numbers just came out so pretty excited to get into this a little bit quick background and recap on Paul Paul is currently working at Welling's Capital, and after a stint at Ford Motor Company, Paul co-founded a staffing firm where he was a finalist for Michigan Entrepreneur of the Year two years in a row. After selling the staffing firm to a publicly traded company, Paul began investing in real estate, founded multiple investment and development companies, has appeared on HGTV, and even built and co-managed a successful multifamily development. Paul co-hosts a podcast, How to Lose Money and is also a very active contributor on Fox Business and Bigger Pockets. We are absolutely thrilled to have Paul back on the show. Paul, welcome. How are you doing, sir? It's great to be here. I'm doing great. How about you, Chad? Doing well. Like I mentioned to you, I'm I'm a little colored here. I just got back from the beach and closed a deal a couple of weeks ago, so I'm feeling good and on to the next thing. But, you know, let's let's really jump into this, man, cuz I think we're really going to fill this episode up with with a discussion on inflation. You are well read on the subject. So let's lay out the problem currently. What what, what do you see as the problem that is driving what we uh, are concerned with in in inflation today?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so those of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s remember all the terrible news that was coming out. I mean, Jimmy Carter was the first president that was a a sitting president that was not reelected, who ran and was not reelected. Since Herbert Hoover, or possibly, you know, even like the second one ever or something, but it was partly because Reagan said inflation is like a mugger and a thief. And he hit that really hard. And they had the combination of inflation. And then Paul Volcker, Federal Reserve guy, had the courage to raise interest rates to shut down inflation. But it was a really painful time. They called it stagflation, you know, with interest rates high, inflation high, you know, years of double digit inflation back to back. I mean, it was a very painful time, so people automatically assume inflation is evil. Inflation is going to corrupt my savings plan. Inflation is going to mess me up for retirement. And I'm here to tell you that that may be true, but think about this. There are people behind the curtain who are pulling levers, who are benefiting from inflation. And I'm here to tell you that we may not figure it all all out on this podcast, but I'm here to tell you, I think that you could actually be on that side of it. You could be with them behind the curtain. You wouldn't be pulling the levers, but you and I can benefit from inflation if we play our cards right. Inflation is driven by three things. Number one, the demand side, there's a higher demand for something. People want to, you know, let's say you're in a, a big, let's say a big city and one of the pro sports teams pulls out and moves to another city. Well, a lot more people are going to be going to the other stadium to watch that other sports team because they want to go to a pro football or baseball game. So the demand is higher. Another factor is the cost basis. The costs are just higher. Hey, if all labor at $12 an hour went away and, or let's say $9 an hour went away. And let's say there was a national minimum wage of $15 an hour. I'm going to tell you the cost of hamburgers at McDonald's is going to go up. It's got to. So the cost side would be a second driver. And then the third side is money printing. And man, have we seen some money being printed in the last two years? I didn't confirm this, but I heard that 30% of all the money printed in the United States history was printed since COVID started. And I heard even 40% possibly. And so it is a lot, there's a lot going on here. Anybody who has tried to build a deck or buy gas for your car or build a house in the last eight months has realized inflation is real and it's a lot worse than they're reporting it. It really,
1: really is, Paul. And that's that's kind of an amazing thing to jump into because- we're all pre-programmed to, to, to think inflation is bad and i think depending on what side of the fence you're on it is but all of us think about oh my gosh the consumer price index is going up i'm going to be paying ten dollars for a box of cheerios right or something like that yeah. so from what i'm seeing i'm curious if you're seeing the same thing the inflation effect is, has kind of been happening more on the asset prices and commodities and things, but you're not necessarily seeing it in retail goods on the shelf. How true is that? Are you seeing
0: the same thing or what are your sources showing? From what I've heard, and you know, I, and I believe this, uh, I can't say I remember this from 1978 to 83 when it was really bad because I wasn't as aware, obviously, as a kid. But there's a two to three year gap between a lot of money printing and inflation to hit the retail level. And so I think it's pretty obvious that it has hit commodities. My son deals in land and timber, and he just did a timber sale that should have brought $120,000 in a normal year, and it brought $204,000. And from what I understand at the lumber level, like when you're buying lumber for your deck or whatever, it's much, much worse than that 60 or 70% that he gained from that timber sale. And so it seems like it's at the commodity level, but it's got to trickle to the retail level. I, I just don't see any way around it. It's very interesting.
1: So, okay, we're seeing it in assets. We're seeing it commodities. I mean, we, it's very interesting because it's, it, the fact that you mentioned Thirty percent, maybe even forty percent of all the the U.S. money supply is about a year old, right? It's in its infancy. <laughs> you know, it was just from brand. what I understand. I think you're right. I, I've read that statistic as well. Where did that money go? I mean, immediately it sh- it shows up into the pockets of those. Some were businesses, and some were individuals who received it, right? and then where do they put it they turn around and put it in their bank accounts yeah and from what well from what we know about banks just trust me on this audience there's a concept of fractional reserve lending where for every dollar of your money they've got in the bank they can make a loan on 10 and the yeah, banks are right. in the business of making money so i guess that explains the asset pricing That we've seen because all of that massive liquidity was then turned around and dumped into assets in the form of loans or deployed into hedge funds or invested here and there. So I guess we see why the asset prices are up. So it seems like that's a good thing if you're selling. Who does this hurt? Where are we going from here, Paul?
0: Well, now this is a diversion from what I plan to talk about. So I'm just going to touch on this. But I heard an argument the other day that was talking about why this is going to hurt the people that they propose to help. So there was some headline in the Washington Post, I believe, not knowing for being a conservative newspaper by any means, saying Biden pulls millions of people out of poverty through this you know, stimulus. And the argument I heard, and again, I can't hit it all here for time's sake, was that it actually is the exact opposite. Because the medium to long-term effect of this is those people in general who are already poor, they honestly don't know how to invest. They don't have opportunities to invest. And so they're going to be spending that money, whether it's on cars or tuition. More lottery tickets is actually what literally somebody I know who bought more lottery tickets when they got that. Uh, RVs, campers fun stuff, four-wheelers, paying down credit card debt, which averages, I think, $14,000 per family in the U.S. All those things are temporary benefits that are not going to bring them up out of poverty. But guess who's going to benefit? Who's that? We're going to talk about this on the rest of the show. That's the people who are at the top of the heap. There's all kinds of people way at the top of the heap that we know benefit. But there's all kinds of people like you and I who can benefit as well without hurting anybody else. And that's people who can lock in low interest rate leverage, buy assets, and then allow the revenue generated by those assets to rise with inflation. Who benefits? The people who own those assets. Who's hurt by that? It would seem, well, it would seem the bankers in a way because the bankers are getting this 3% interest payment for say 30 years on a house or even 35 years on some commercial loans through the FHA. But the revenue stream is skyrocketing against that fixed cost of debt. So who's hurt? Well, I'll tell you who's hurt in the end, it's the poor because their wages often won't keep up with those increasing prices. And so the very people that were supposed to be helped by this stimulus and all this money printing were the ones hurt. And the people who can be helped if we're smart without hurting anybody else directly, we can actually profit from this. and We can do a lot more good for a lot more people if we invest right. And I'm hoping we can get into that in the next few minutes. I think that's where we need to go. So,
1: you're on a roll, Paul. Where do we go from here? How can we, how can those who can benefit from this
0: use it in the way for good? So, think about it. If you can lock in, I mean, like in, so in 1970, I think it was August 1971, Nixon took us off the gold standard. At that time, the average house in America was priced at $18,000. The average mortgage was $14,000. The interest, average interest rate was 7 or 8%. So the average mortgage payment was X. I think that X was about $150, if I'm not mistaken, which sounds like a lot on a $14,000 mortgage. But in the next 30 years, for somebody who held that house through the 70s and especially through the early 80s, The average house price, that $18,000 house, went up to many times that. In fact, I think the average house price in a pretty short time was up to about $100,000. And now it's around $190,000, I believe. I could be wrong on that. But so the average house price is now up something like 10 times since 1971. Well, if you had held that 30-year mortgage all the way through 2001, that mortgage payment of, I mean, $150. I mean, sure, the taxes went up, utilities went up, maintenance went up. That's all true. And that's true in commercial real estate now as well, if we buy apartments, but the main largest, one of the largest costs was held steady. And that's the fixed rate debt. Now, if this happens again, if we really do start seeing four, six, eight, 10, 12% inflation per year, you know, the rule of 72 divides 72 by the rate of return. And that's how many years it takes to double or means how much your how many years it takes till your money is worth half. If that's the case, real estate's an incredible hedge against inflation because real estate has higher demand because there's a fixed number of mobile home parks. For example, we talked about that last time, I think. And yet there's an increasing demand for those mobile home parks. So higher demand, and we got this money being printed. And so you got much more money chasing the same or lower number of assets. And if that mobile home park, just from inflation alone, not doing any value add, just inflation alone. If it doubles or triples or quadruples or more in price over a 12-year hold or a 30-year hold, I mean, you got a massive, massive profits, even if those profits relative to the value of the dollar aren't as great as you would have hoped. It's a lot better than having money in savings it's a lot better than spending that money to pay off your home equity line or do some of the other things a lot of people do. That's very wise. And and, you know, the question that
1: comes to mind, Paul, back in the day, the last time this happened, we said interest rates were seven, 8%, you know, something like that. Interest rates are already at historic lows, right? So does that exacerbate the, the benefit,
0: you know? It exacerbates the benefit incredibly. Now- I don't know if your listeners are interested in getting a 35-year fixed FHA loan at 2.9% or whatever they're running right now for multifamily. There's a lot of hoops to jump through, Chad. I don't know, man. There's a lot of hoops, a lot of paperwork. I'll, you have to get regular, all these you know, check-ins, inspections, all this stuff where the government's got their finger in the pie. But for, for those who can deal with that, can you imagine locking in... A low interest rate loan for 35 years, and then watching the potentially the revenues, the rents, and the revenues from that apartment doubling, quadrupling, ten xing over 35 years, which is what happened during the you know 30 years we mentioned earlier. Well, if that happens, you're going to be sitting pretty. It's going to be incredible to be an investor in a deal like that
1: especially if you can acquire a new ish asset, right? That you can truly hold for that. And one that's not already on the tail end of its of is usable life. Oh, you
0: know that is a great
1: point. I had not thought of. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because the, I guess to expand on that, let's say you put a loan like this, the FHA 35 year fixed rate mortgage on a 55 or 60 year old building. Well, we mentioned earlier, your costs are going to go up and, and, you know, it it just takes more effort and time and money to maintain a building of that age with that infrastructure. Well, if you have something that was built within the last I don't know, let's say 20 years, maybe even 30. Materials and and infrastructure was a lot different in that time frame and you may have a lot more longevity with lower lower costs. So when the when the costs are up, you're not spending as much money on that. You're probably getting better rent rates in general because you're floating a higher on the rental market and you have this lower debt. So it's it's a very interesting
0: concept. It makes so much sense. I love that you said that, Chad, and you know, I I know your listeners really appreciate you and there's an example of why, because that's really good thinking. I bought a almost 60-year-old 125-unit apartment complex several years ago, and man, the maintenance killed us. And honestly, we sold that knowing that we did not want to keep having these surprise water line breaks and stuff like that. And I totally agree with you. That's a great point. Yeah. That's well, very interesting. So, In general it sounds like what our
1: listeners need to be focusing on doing is you know how can you apply this i mean try to hedge our bets against inflation in fixed assets fixed assets that we know are our real estate by nature anything you can put low interest rate fixed rate debt on inflation is your friend because yes things are going to get more expensive yes commodities will still go up but guess what cost of living will go up as well that is that means rent that means revenue and your debt payment will stay exactly the same. So do you think that also needs to deter business strategies? So let's talk from the perspective of investors and syndicators, right? Those putting deals together. Do you believe that we need to start avoiding the three to five year hold plays and start structuring for longer term holds? I mean, this is a
0: premonition question, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about avoiding three to five. I would say this, if you can get a 12-year fixed rate versus a three to five, you know, the 12-year might cost what, would you guess, you know, half a point higher, maybe? Yeah, if that. I mean, I think the last 12-year
1: I locked up was a a 3.3%, and that was when the 10-year treasury went up. So, you
0: know, it's not bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I would absolutely recommend getting the longest term you can. And I mean, it is just seems like a no-brainer to me. Look, I wrote a book called "The Perfect Investment" about apartments, and about a year and a half after that, started saying the perfect investment's not perfect anymore if you have to overpay to get it. And we talked about that before. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> but I'm starting to believe I might have been wrong a second time, and that's here's why: if inflation. Takes off right now. And if we don't have some kind of huge crash, which if COVID couldn't crash us, I don't know what will. But if we don't have some kind of a huge crash, and even if we do have a little bump in the road, but inflation takes off, it might correct, it might cover over a lot of sins of people overpaying for multifamily. I have friends that overpay by 20, 25%. And I think that inflation could fix that in the next three or four years. That's very interesting. I'm
1: curious to see what's going to happen with it. I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, when you combine that with the interest rate itself, you know, I mean, if inflation starts to happen, those will probably start to go up. So, yes, it seems like there's there's a no brainer to lock up low interest rate debt today, and it's probably going to be attractive tomorrow, you know, and hopefully you're not one of those people who are overpaying for property by 25%. But if you are, maybe Paul just gave you some hope. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. yeah, well, I, I really believed that those people were going to be losing those properties back to the bank when they had to refinance and the interest rates were up or when there was a crash or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, I tell you low interest rates, high inflation, having an inside track on finding assets, that is a powerful combination. If you and your listeners, you know, can do that, Chad. And I know you're already doing it. You told me about some of the deals you've been doing. and add value add on top of that. It is a powerful combination to create incredible wealth. It is. And
1: you know, listeners, I'll leave you with one little nugget on this as well. I mean, we were just talking about, the power of getting fixed rate long, long long-term debt right now, right. With these interest rates. And we just, Paul just dropped a nugget there about how, you know, there's a concern that those of us who are working with short-term bridge notes and have to refinance here in two, three, four, five years, you know, just to, to, uh, to keep the property because that loan's coming due. There's a good chance. Some of us might be in trouble if we have, You know mid we'll say short to midterm debt that must be refinanced and we didn't account for massive interest rate increases that are likely to happen at some point if inflation takes off this is all if right so the last little nugget here is work with you know if you're doing value add properties or you're investing in them look for a people who are getting this fixed rate long-term debt and we're talking you know 10-year note type stuff or look for guys who are doing loan to cost loans that do not have to be refinanced in the first two or three years you know there are structures out there where it will roll from it's called a bridge to perm right it will roll to a perm and just lock you lock in that interest rate up front it's the same kind of thing you get the best of both worlds but i think I'm, I, I own with quattro capital i don't know about 12 properties right now or selling once, so maybe that's 11 but only one of them has a short-term loan on it. And we've, we've strategically done that on purpose because we're, we're just hedging our bets. We don't know if it's really going to happen, but you know, at least we're not going to get caught with our pants down peeing into the wind. If that happens, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Right. That's good.
0: That's good, man. All right, awesome. Paul.
1: Well, everyone, this has been a fantastic discussion with you know, talking about a real concern that we're all probably going to be dealing with in our lifetime. Paul has given us some wonderful nuggets. Paul, any final words or any, anything you want to leave the audience with regarding inflation?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's been said that inflation provides a massive transfer of wealth from older to younger people. And I thought that that was a really odd thought. I thought about it, and older people generally have been taught: pay off your house, pay off your debts, don't borrow. You know, be financially secure. Well, if that's true, they're leaving. You know, by and it sounds so wrong if you listen to Dave Ramsey. But it's like people who are not in debt, people who have money and savings possibly could be ravaged. I mean, I saw uh, some $10 trillion bills the other day from Zimbabwe where, you know, inflation ravaged those people. Well, if you can stay on top of this, and again, I'm not predicting hyperinflation, but I'm saying if you can stay on top of this issue, you can be among the people that the wealth is transferred to, not away from by getting, you know, locking in this leverage, And smartly buying or investing with people who have the inside track, people like Chad, who know how to find the deals, how to do the value add and how to crush it over decades to come. And I'm serious, Chad, man, people should be investing with you because I know you're finding deals that I know I couldn't find. Well, I appreciate that vote of confidence. I
1: think I'll turn that around. Paul also knows how to turn a dollar into three. So, you know, that that's that's the right way to look at it is if you don't know how to capitalize on this situation, find someone who does and, and work with them. Well, I, I think we're going to have to let that be a mic drop moment for the end of the episode here because that is a seize your moment type of comment. All right, everyone, this has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. I hope you consider what has been said today on inflation and we hope we've added value to your day. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast. How is your company managing your capital raising process? Syndication Pro is the number one solution to help real estate syndicators and fund managers automate fundraising, investor relations, and reporting. Syndication Pro is a solution that is trusted by hundreds of firms, large and small, with billions being managed within the platform. Here at Quattro Capital, we have seen a drastic improvement in our ability to provide better customer support to our investors, a co-sponsor module to our alliance partners when partnering on new acquisitions, ACH distributions, an SEC-compliant CRM, and even the ability to take soft reservations on upcoming projects. Look for the link in the show notes to try Syndication Pro risk-free for seven days.
0: We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequatroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.